Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4. I'm your host, Otis Chirey. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing four terrifying tales for you about dancing in the darkness, stalking shadows, cataclysmic countdowns, and the paranormal price of pain. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which includes the first two stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and or other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. And thank you for your support. It's time to get started, so lock your doors, turn the lights down low, Settle in. The show is about to begin. Our first story this evening is by author Felix Blackwell, entitled A Dance for Fireflies. 
Man, I just love music. It teaches me things. It helps me see things about myself that I would not otherwise see. It's moved something in me that has never moved before. Music, an all-consuming fixation of mine, and it even influences what and when I write. And so I circle through hundreds of bands each year, ever sifting through the granules on an endless beach of crappy music, hunting for my next true love. And when I find it, I obsess. But it's rare that I find anything new. So I tend to cling to bands I've grown attached to and wait like an abandoned lover for their next album. In 2000, when I was just entering my teens, I discovered a perfect circle who fast became one of my super-mega-all-time favorite bands. Their work is the soundtrack of my life. Unsurprisingly, I'm quite ritualistic about how I listen to an important album for the first time. It has to be perfect. And growing up in a noisy house in Southern California, the perfect place to listen was on the nearby golf course. I wait until the sun went down and all the golfers went home. Then I'd grab my disc man and walk on the concrete path that carved through those rolling green fields. I still remember how the moon and stars drenched that place in ghostly silver light. It was hauntingly beautiful. And to me, it was bliss. But there are a few things you have to look out for if you want to become a creep like me and skulk around on a golf course in the dead of night. First of all, there are skunks and bobcats, and sometimes even mountain lions. Then there are sprinklers that randomly pop up and blast you with a face full of reclaimed water. Mm, yum. If the golf course is in a rough area, you might find some dangerous miscreants on your journey. I was once chased by a meth head on a walk up here in Northern California where I live with my wife. The real problem is the dark. You don't want to bring a flashlight on your walk because the light gives away your position to security guards or anybody else looking around out there. So you have to go when there's a full moon. But even then, the light is faint, and the shadows that remain beneath the trees are pitch black. Who knows what they conceal? Because of this, and a litany of other reasons, the only chorus I actually feel safe on is the one by my parents' house. In March of this year, A Perfect Circle announced a new album. I have waited 14 years for this announcement, and after recovering from the temporary insanity that took me upon reading the news, I called my boss, scheduled a week-long vacation, and heralded my coming to my old friends down south. Now, I'm not normally one to call myself a hero, but I drove 600 miles with a new APC record on the passenger seat of my car without touching it. All the other music I tried to fill that drive with felt like my ears were being blasted with high-velocity diarrhea. But I made it. I made it back to my hometown. Back to my parents' house and the golf course. I was ready. The big night finally arrived. 
my childhood friend, Ronnie, came over to my place and we loaded the music onto our phones. The plan was for each of us to wear our own earbuds and basically just press play at the same time. I'd never gone on a tandem first listen walk before, but by God, we were innovating like a couple of stoner scientists. The sun set as we gobbled down some pizza, then at the sight of the evening star, we set off into the night. You might not know this, but golf courses are typically comprised of 18 holes, which means 18 big green fields that all connect to each other. They're divided into two groups of nine, called the front nine and the back nine. Front nine typically snake between neighborhoods and are less pretty. The back nine are usually out in the woods or on cliffs that overlook some nature scene. Ronnie and I started on the back nine. On this particular course, the back nine are high up on a hillside, and they are totally surrounded by dense trees. At night, it almost feels like you're on an island looking down at the ocean. I swear, the wind almost sounds like water out there. If it didn't also carry the horrifying screams of little animals being picked off by bigger ones. The walk started off nice. The music was good. Spirits were high. I took this selfie of us to assure our significant others we were still alive If you manage to pry your eyes from my massive forehead, you can see how far we are from civilization. Those lights in the distance are separated from us by a canyon full of thick woods. But as we got farther and farther out, I began to feel a sense of unease. The pale moonlight made the world look like a metallic simulacrum of itself, and the black patches of shadow... Beneath the trees felt full of watchful eyes. Maybe it had just been too long since I'd walked that loop, but I found myself shocked that I had the balls to come out here alone as a teenager. We arrived at the fifth hole, which is the farthest point before the cart path starts to hook back toward the clubhouse. Out here, no one would ever hear a scream if we got attacked by a mountain lion. The nearest houses were mere twinkles floating in a black abyss, nearly indistinguishable from the stars high above. Ronnie left the path for a moment to pee in some bushes, and I stood there, trying to focus on the music. But something caught my eye up ahead. Something moved at the end of the fairway, fluttering like a bedsheet caught in the wind. Ronnie joined me and noticed what I was looking at. We snuck forward to get a better look, careful to remain in the shadows of the trees that lined the cart path. In another twenty or so yards, I could clearly make out the figure of a person up ahead. Whoever it was, they were small and moved erratically. The first thought that came into my mind was, it's a junkie or a drunk person. I had never seen another soul out here on this particular course, but it wasn't impossible that some high school kids might come out here to eat shrooms or something. Is that... is that a kid? Ronnie whispered. As soon as his words hit my ears, my brain put all the fragments 
of what I was seeing together. It was a little girl. She twirled and danced and swayed in the open field about two hundred feet away from us, her nightgown aglow by the moonlight. Her movements were careful and coordinated, as though she was practicing for some kind of recital. But there was something dreary about the performance. She seemed timid or exhausted. Ronnie and I stood there in the dark, hypnotized by the absurdity of what we were seeing. It was creepy enough for two adult men to come all the way out here. And I mean, we were way out here. But a solitary child? It would have taken her at least an hour to make it this far out. How the hell could she have left her house without her parents knowing? Nothing about the situation made sense, and it filled me with dread. I don't know how to explain it, but what I was feeling felt deeply wrong. I scanned the area to see if she was with anyone, but the field was empty. The only thing that caught my eye was a tiny group of fireflies, glimmering and wafting, beneath a tree across from us. The girl was alone. We watched for another minute or so. She never stopped moving. Her feet were pale and bare, and the bottom of her dress looked wet from a filthy sprinkler water that soaked the grass. When she twirled around, I saw her face. She couldn't have been more than eight or nine years old. Dude, what the hell? I blurted out. Ronnie hushed me, but my surprise had given us away. The girl stopped dead in her tracks, turned directly toward us, and gazed into the shadows where we stood. Even though I was sure we were hidden, her eyes immediately met mine, and the eerie calmness of her expression set off alarms in my head. After a long moment, her arm shot out toward us, and she pointed a twig-like finger right at me. Over her shoulder, the fireflies vanished in unison. Let's get out of here, Ronnie said, and took off running back up the cart path toward the clubhouse. It took me a few seconds for my brain to find my limbs, but I booked it after him, running faster than I've ever run before. In writing this out, it sounds dumb that a child could terrify two grown men like that. But in the moment, I absolutely felt like I was in danger. On the run back to my house, all I could think of was, it's not really a kid. I kept thinking some pallid, gruesome skinwalker was going to come bounding up the path behind me and drag me off into the woods. No one would ever hear my screams. When Ronnie and I got back to my house, I went to call the police to report the little girl, but my phone wasn't in my pocket. I realized I must have dropped it somewhere on the golf course. There was no way in hell I was going back out there that night, but I couldn't afford a new one, so I opted to return during the day, when there would be tons of people in sunlight. That night, Ronnie and I speculated on what we had actually seen. Was it really a little girl who just needed some time alone to practice her dance moves? Had she somehow sleepwalked her way out here? Was she a ghost or some other supernatural being? 
I wasn't satisfied with any of those possibilities, and my brain kept me awake until dawn trying to come up with a better explanation. The following day, I spoke with the manager of the golf course, and we hopped into a golf cart and rode out to the fifth hole. We found my phone, but it had been smashed to bits. Someone had stomped on it. I showed the manager where we'd seen the little girl, but he remained skeptical of my claims until he found a little pair of slippers in the trash can at the end of the hole. While I called the cops, I walked over to the place where I'd seen the fireflies glowing beneath a tree. But there weren't any fireflies there now. But I found about a dozen cigarette butts. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our second story this evening is by author Matt Demersky entitled The Stars Are Eyes. At the time, I didn't think it was weird, but I had no idea what had found me. It was the opposite of a noise, really. The nocturnal sounds of the forest faded away without warning. Leafy silhouettes still moved across the stars overhead, but I heard no breeze. My friends were talking around the campfire, but I watched their moving mouths as if from behind soundproof glass, just as I realized the depth of my involuntary two-note, that unnoise began. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to fly unhindered through the depths of space? I'd once dreamt that I'd had the powers of a superhuman, and that I'd held my arms forward as I soared through endless speckled darkness. In my uncontrolled imagination, the universe out there had not been silent. The drawn-out, expansive, and deep cosmic note I'd heard in that dream was now present in my waking senses. It rolled and changed over the subtle moments, bringing me a sensation of incredible emptiness and cold. That noise was an impossible echo from the walls of the universe that should have been too far away to reach, let alone return from. The sensation passed, and campfire conversations began reaching my ears again. I shivered then, and whenever I think about it now, 
The experience left me unsettled, but I chalked it up to those random moments of sensory weirdness that most people seem to get from time to time. I couldn't possibly have known that I was no longer alone. Nobody noticed it in the pictures from that night, but I went back and looked once things started getting weird. It was there, standing in the moonlit, dappled forest behind us, a darker shadow against the night that was only visible with the picture's contrasts turned up. Everybody looked so happy. We stood around the fire, smiling, beers in hand. Nobody had any idea that we were being watched or followed. I was grumpy on the drive back. There is no other way to describe it. The morning light was irritating. The car was cramped. My fast food burrito was tasteless. My friends teased me, saying that I must have been hungover. But I was in no mood for it. I'd only had three beers. Now this felt like a leech on my very brain. Many of us went our separate ways back in the city, but my two roommates continued taking pictures and talking while on the way to our apartment. We were just walking in and dropping our things when one of the girls snapped a photo of the grumpus, me, and then dropped her phone with a shriek. Even as she explained what had frightened her, the living room began feeling enormous, lonely, and chilly, like I was standing on a distant and lifeless planet circling a dying star in a long-dead galaxy. The experience at the campfire that weekend shot back to me an instant. I knew. My two roommates had already picked the phone back up and began staring at the picture. It was me, standing in the living room, my bags on the floor, my gaze distant, low, and sad. She'd somehow managed to catch a moment that looked a classic painting on the concept of despair itself. That and the demon that might have delivered that despair. Our living room had a high ceiling, and the fuzzy silhouette of the very gaunt figure reached nearly to the top. Starvation thin and startlingly tall, it stood in the back corner of the room, facing away from the phone that had taken the picture. Only one thing kept us from screaming our heads off and running out of the apartment. It was too hazy to really be sure it was a person. One of us suggested that it was just a smudge in the lens or a random corruption in the picture film. Now that calmed us down for a moment, until we had the bright idea to take another shot. The screams didn't stop for nearly two minutes, not until we reached the far end of the street. That second figure was not only present in the second shot, it was one step closer and angled slightly to the left, as if it was beginning to turn and face us. It was still hazy, and anyone else would have thought it was just a weird blur. But I'd felt its timeless, lonely, and icy presence. I knew it was real. I'd read stories like this, too. This was an entire class of haunting or demon or something. The stalking shadow, the tall humanoid figure, the step-by-step -step progression towards something 
terrible. I had them take another picture, this time of the street. They screamed again, and I grabbed the phone. It stood now on the sidewalk, half a block away, facing directly to the side. Pitch black slashes in the haze hinted at the beginnings of facial features turning our way. I shouted for help at a random man on a bike, and he came over. At first, he thought one of us had been injured or something, but he took the phone in confusion as I explained our situation. He took one look at the picture and handed it back, eyes wide. He thought he was on a prank show, of course, and took off, but that was confirmation a hazy entity was really in the picture. The first solution was simple enough. I told my roommates that we could never take pictures ever again. They didn't like that at all. One of them brought up a legitimate concern. What if other people took pictures of us? Weren't Google satellites or whatever taking pictures from the sky all the time? Would the shadows show up in those? Could we look it up on Google Earth, Google Street View? They both had their phones out halfway through that line of reasoning, but I knew they would never find anything. Those aerial images were only taken every so often, and we'd never find a random dark smudge in them. They were right, though, that other people could take pictures of us and potentially advance the hunting. We couldn't control every photographer in the world. We went down to the church down the street and snapped another picture, hoping that it was a religious type of demon that abhorred sanctity. It didn't care at all. It stood tall among the pews, a shadow with black slices for features, nearly facing us now. Panicking and crying, one of my roommates ran out into the street and took another picture. Whatever she saw made her go into hysterics, and we had to run her down. Grabbing her phone, I looked, heart-pounding. The picture of the street was entirely covered in a hazy shade with two darker lines framed perfectly. I stared at it for a moment trying to understand until, in that static picture, the pitch black slices opened to reveal two very human eyes. Those eyes rotated, looking about, first at me, then at my roommates. Those Startlingly, human eyes gazed at us from inside a picture. It actually saw us. Somehow, it was looking out from the screen. Absolute terror froze every muscle in my body. At least until the shadow moved back from directly in front of the image. A thin hand began rising out from the screen itself, all I could do was drop the phone and watch as it hit the pavement and shattered. A hazy hand and wrist made a shadow plop to the cement, and we three screamed together as it writhed around in the sunlight. Men rushed over to see what was wrong, and one fainted as he saw the demonic hand still twitching and moving at random. Two guys pulled out their phones to take a video of it, but thinking fast and from a place of utter terror... They smacked their hands hard enough to knock the devices away. The transparent flesh began to sizzle on the sidewalk. In a few seconds, the sun burned away what remained, and a good six or seven of us stood in dumbfounded awe. They'd all seen it, but what could any of us do about it? 
Still shaking, I was the first to act. I pulled up my phone and smashed it. My roommate's other phone joined that one, and we stopped the first one even more. Those who had come and seen the creature did the same just in case. We all exchanged contact information went our separate ways. As we'd agreed, we each took photos with new devices around our houses, cars, and the like. None showed the entity. I theorized that the haunting was tied to devices, possibly time or subject-related pictures. But see, I've already told you why I'm writing this general warning to all of you people out there. I was able to go back and see the entity in our campfire photos, lurking in the moonlight, dappled forest, because those pictures had already been uploaded to Facebook. We destroyed the devices it was on, but not the images in which it had originated. By the time I realized our mistake, the pictures had already been shared and liked by all of our friends. Pictures taken with phones synced to those computers began showing the starving shadow. Webcams used for Skype sessions showed that hungry presence standing somewhere behind the victim. Each new image and video brought it closer to the photographer and closer to climbing into our world. The word got out to our friends, but some didn't believe us until the first unexplained disappearance. And that tidbit in the news prompted the horror-sharing sites. They got wind of our images and videos and started posting them everywhere. Real scary ghost video. You will be shocked. Or, what is this shadow behind OP? Or, unbelievable entity footage will make you believe. I saw it spread all across the internet, and I knew there was nothing we could do to stop it. Calling attention to it and trying to get it removed would only make things worse. That lonely and hungry entity that had first come to me in the woods on that cloudless night, surrounded by and filled with the emptiness and lifelessness of the universe, it's out there now, alive in pictures and videos. It's not going to end the human race or even get most of us. But there are more cell phones in the world now than people and more and more photos being taken every single day, and we can't possibly get the word out to everyone. Be careful what you look at online. It might just look back at you. Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode, which includes two more terrifying tales, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season, or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show, but our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases, including premium versions of our other shows, such as the Simply Scary Podcast and Horror Hill. Not only that, 
but you'll be lending your support to this very program and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Thank you very much for your support. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, The Otis Jiry Channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. <laughs> 